Welcome to the Blind Apex Podcast, where amateur club racers tune in to get faster. I'm your host, Con John Turk, and on this episode of the Blind Apex Podcast, we are going to talk whiskey and mullets. I mean, Camaros and Mustangs. And in the NASA world, it's the Camaro Mustang Challenge class, CMC for short. Since I only fit half of the requirements to run CMC, I'm bald. Pretty bald anyway, but I do love my whiskey. Uh, I'm part of Bald in the Beautiful Racing, uh, but I'll need a guest. So like always, I mean, I, I don't I haven't done a podcast with that one yet. Joining me, Air Force veteran. He wears a 40-foot Peterbilt bunk motorhome and lift gate, according to one of his recent Facebook posts. Lover of deviled eggs with deviled eggs on top, maybe with some bacon and lump crab. I'd totally co-sign on that. I would eat that all day. Uh, someone who apparently <laughs> forgot that DC has traffic while working from home during COVID, because I would live it every day. The driver of the 341 SN95 CMC car here in the NASA Mid-Atlantic region, Brian Tillett, welcome to the show. Thanks, Con. I appreciate you having me here. So uh, I look forward to chatting with CMC and uh, either dispelling some myths uh, or whatever else it might be. I'm unofficially referred to as the uh, CMC ambassador, so uh, I'm happy to have a chat. See, CMC ambassadors are better than series directors, national series directors, because national series directors they're they're really they hold tight to things and. Mm-hmm. Really, we want to grow the class. Um, I'm pretty sure there's some stat out there where there was like 11 billion Mustangs um, produced in the time frame, you know, like 79 to whenever you guys aren't allowed to run that body anymore. We'll get into that. Um, mm-hmm. So there's plenty of tubs out there. And uh, pushrod V8s, they're pretty much everywhere. So Explorers... You know, all the taxis had them. They're everywhere. There was a plethora. So, yes. Yeah. Um, there's no reason not to race it other than, you know, everybody should race Honda Challenge anyway. But, you know, that'll that'll be the last time I talk about Honda Challenge during this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Brian, what got you uh, into CMC itself? So uh, I started uh, originally from the Midwest and from a small town in the Midwest and everybody had a you know, some type of car that they cruised town with. It was kind of what you were known by. It was a signature just from a you know, small town Midwest background and uh, always had some type of motorsports around. Uh, Dad started with snowmobiles, had a, a, in a lake boat that went skiing and tubing behind. And uh, eventually when I went in the military at 18, uh, I ended up out here in the DC area. And now I live down towards Richmond and uh, got into a Trans Am when I was in the military. And I was always been, you know, f- uh, focused on, some type of motorsports as an activity and um, grew up uh, again, past the uh, Trans Am. I ended up with a crotch rocket, traded in the crotch rocket a few late years later for a jet ski. And uh, before I knew it, I was, uh, I spent one year racing amateur IJSBA uh, on the, uh, on a couch, as they call it, a sit down PWC as opposed to a stand up and uh, spending some time in the PWC world, I got to hang out at Lake Anna and met some more friends through work and through um, at the lake and uh, started getting interested in offshore powerboats. So uh, I've had a couple of offshore powerboats myself, you know, typical big block, think Miami Vice, 
there is a term called cigarette boat, but that's actually a proper name. It's the name of a company, but an offshore power boat, go fast boat. Had a couple of those and um, did a little moonlighting in the industry. I actually was a factory rep for one of the companies called Active Thunder. And I uh, worked at the Miami Boat Show, demoed boats and uh, a few other things. And uh, long story short, in getting into CMC, several of us uh, in CMC are either former or current offshore power boaters. So much the same as we kind of have a, a, a paddock and a group of folks that you kind of hang around with in your class. We have the same type of thing with the power boats. And uh, um, I've never raced power boats. I do go to the races, but we do a lot of poker runs, which is kind of like playing a scavenger hunt on the water combined with poker. We'll get into that at a different time. But uh, one by one, we all kind of got individually pulled into uh, racing cars. Uh, I got invited to the Dominion Raceway Open House by the president of the Drivers Club. Took my street Corvette, my dad's old Corvette, Garage Queen out there for a day and ran it up to 150 miles an hour. And I said, oh, this is addictive. And uh, within a couple of months after that, uh, I, had, um, I had a race car in my shop that was actually loaned to me by a former CMC racer. And uh, within a few months after that, um, I owned a Mustang and I was going through HPDE and uh, eventually got my racing license. So the NASA Mid-Atlantic CMC people really hate money is what you're saying. You guys play with boats and race cars. There's there's a few that have realized that racing is actually cheaper than boating because uh, yeah, there's there's the marine tax. It's less than the the airplane tax. But um, when you have when we talk about Mercruiser, Mercury Marine, there's there's a tax on everything, if you will, because they're sole sourcing, yeah. if you will. And, um, you know, typically you're buying if you get in the bigger boats, you're buying things twice or three times. You got two big blocks or even more than that. So uh, believe it or not, racing's cheaper than power boating. Yeah. Boats are floating holes in the water you throw money into. That's how it was described to me. So for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's an interesting way to get into racing. That is not, I've never heard that one before. Um, lots of folks, I talk to folks at every uh, podcast about how they got into it. And I've never heard that story before. So that's, that's definitely interesting. Um, well, there's a couple of very interesting personalities, you know, Jimmy Joyce, Kent Lydic, uh, some of the old school, original CMC guys here. Uh, you know, have been racing around since they were in high school in Northern Virginia. Yep. You know, they grew into the one of them grew into the boating community. A guy named Terry Savi got roped in, uh, who I raced CMC with. A guy named Russ Carter got roped in, who I now race CMC with. And uh, like I said, these guys are all front of the pack uh, guys that have been in there for a while. Oh yeah, um, what I know of the CMC crew is, <clears throat> if the track is cold and your hand is empty, they're going to look to fill it. So. Um, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if Kent Lydic's asking you, uh, tell him six, just tell him six and you might walk away. You're exactly right. Yeah. He'll, he'll pour to the top if you let him. So you'll figure it out when yes. you get there. <laughs> yep, for sure. Yeah. There's, there's a certain liquor that you need to bring when you're the rookie, um, you know, for, for a while until the next rookie gets his uh, license. And uh, yeah, there's, it's been some longstanding traditions that you had to run the first drink up to the race director uh, at the end of the race as well. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you guys always have a lot of fun um, at Summit Point. You guys are always in the woods. So if you uh, need to find the CMC crew, if you got a SN95 or an F-Body, which we'll get into all those rules and what, what it really takes, but um, and you're interested, just listen for the sound of the dyno and they're always 
paddocked around there. At least most of you guys are. So for sure. Uh, and where are you guys hiding when you're at VIR? Just around. Uh, we're typically um, up near where False Grid, uh, the corner where False Grid and the garages are. Okay. I I never see you guys at VIR. I know you're there. I see. I watch your races, but I never stumble across you guys in the paddock. So. Yeah, we're probably the closest to Hogpen, you know, if you were looking at the track corners um, okay. to where our, our group usually hangs out. So let's talk about CMC. Do you know how it got started? Do you know the history by chance? I, I don't know the history of CMC. Um, it, there's been a couple of spinoffs from American Iron and things like that. There was a CMC1 and then a CMC2. And there then was eventually. briefly the S197 chassis was allowed in uh, CMC. It had to do with that CMC2. And then uh, the, C- the S197 was split out into spec iron and CMC went back to its original roots with uh, mostly push rods and uh, the older cars. Right. So for those that are wondering, I'm, I'm trying to operate two computers at one time. I apologize. Um, the typical car, if you um, are a blue oval guy, you can drive a 79 to what is it? A 04 Mustang. Mm-hmm. And the only ones that they kick out are the Cobra R and the 0304 Cobras. Um, by, by category, yes, because you can't have the supercharger, nor can you have uh, independent rear suspension. So if you do have one of those chassis, you have to pull them out. Cobra R is just automatically uh, kicked out. Uh, also, you can't use the Mach 1's um, uh, forced in, or um, air induction uh, hood. You have to go back to just a, uh, a regular hood on it. But uh, okay, so those things are pretty well spelled out. Okay. Um, yes, you have to back it. Not necessarily backdate it, but, you know, just figure out one of the other hoods or intakes and, and put that on there. Okay. And then for the bow tie guys, they're running 82 to 2002 fire chickens and Camaro Camaros. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Camaros and firebirds from 82 to 2002. And I don't, I'm looking, I'm glossing over things. I don't see any restrictions. Uh, there's, uh, so you can use the SS model, the Z28 model. You can start with a V6 on any of those. What's interesting about the, um, specifically the, the Camaro evolutions from the gen three and gen four, um, Camaros, there's a lot of, uh, interoperability there, even the chassis and parts and, and I mean, very similar to what happens on the Mustangs, although there's different widths on axles and such, but, um, you'll actually see quite a few third gen GMs that have an LS swap put into them, which actually makes for a pretty impressive package. So this is my first shot at you guys. Um, and, and we were talking a little bit before we hit the record button. So hopefully it's not too big of a shot, but how come mid Atlantic is, I would say 90% Mustangs. So um, I kind of had this debate when I was getting into this. So the car that was loaned to me was a, and actually a third gen uh, Camaro. And um, back again from CMC one, CMC two days, it was a guy by the name of Ed Bull uh, owned the car and uh, he uh, moved into American Iron and SVRA and a few others. And uh, he said, hey, come get this car. I've known Ed Bull through powerboating for many years and uh, said, come get this car. So I I ran it for a couple of HPDE events. But uh, the more I was spending time, which in in my mind, if I was going to race, which is how I was getting roped in, uh, I had to have a V8. So that's really why I chose 
CMC myself. Um, if I was, again, being an old school guy from the Midwest with, you know, F bodies and um, Camaros and, and G bodies, et cetera, et cetera, I had to be in a V8. And myself personally, I've always hated Mustangs. I'm a GM guy. I got a Corvette in the garage and some others, but um, really we are very now. friendly. Well, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> uh, I, I think at the moment I own two and a half Mustangs, but um, uh, going through, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we cut the parts off that are worth saving. Yeah. So um, the uh, really what was told to me when I started hanging out with the CMC group was that, hey, we'll give you all the tips and everything we can until you get faster than us and then we shut up. So um, it, when it came to choosing a Mustang versus a Camaro, I ended up choosing a Mustang just because we, the shocks are interchangeable, the, the springs are interchangeable, the brakes are interchangeable, but most specifically just – um, you know, sharing setup notes, you know, which sway bar is supposed to go out there, which clicks on the, in the shocks uh, from strut and um, uh, struts and shocks. So um, sharing notes, sharing parts um, and just being able to be compatible with everybody else in the majority, uh, which again, which is where my friend base was, which kind of wrote me into it, Russ and uh, Terry. That's how I ended up choosing a, uh, a Mustang myself. Yeah. And you're an SN95, which is basically a a bubbly, smoothed edge Fox body anyway. So, yeah. So the chassis was literally designed in 1977. It came out in 79. So again, it's a unibody car, not really a chassis, but right. um, there was a small update from the SN 95 to what's called the new edge. So like a 99 to 04 is slightly different than an earlier SN95, which is like 94 to 98. Mm-hmm. And then the Fox bodies are all the same previous to that. Okay. So let's talk about the engine. Um, mm-hmm. I know they're Chevrolet and, and Ford power. So um, what what are you allowed to do to the engine and what are you not allowed to do to the engine? And what... So if you look at... Yep. Yeah. What kind yeah, of if you look at a rule book, there are yeah there are um, a couple of um, spec engines from the early days. So you can build a spec three hundred five, a spec three hundred fifty with a certain cam, or a spec three hundred two with a you know certain cam, certain heads. Um, you will see folks with the old school five hundred Mustangs. They'll put the um, uh, the uh, Cobra intake up on top of it, as well as uh, aluminum heads on top of it, as opposed to some of the earlier irons options, but. Uh, we are basically allowed 260 real wheel horsepower and 317 pound foot of torque, no matter which car you choose. Um, you can buy a little bit more horsepower with weight in the car. So you can go up to 267. Uh, and that goes again for your GM or for your Ford. And, uh, but if you blow over on the dyno, not even an average, but I mean, if you blow 267.000001, you are disqualified. So uh, you can't blow an average um, of 267 by blowing a, uh, a 269 and then two 265s and still be underneath the 267 cap. So um, these cars are smart enough that the uh, on the ones that are computer controlled that they'll pull timing once they get hot. So uh, some of those are, are things that they're trying to avoid by keeping that 267 cap at a horsepower limit on the dyno. Okay. So let's talk about weight. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm looking at the NASA drive NASA.com quick reference page. And it look if everybody's got to be two sixty three seventeen, it's showing that the, the Camaros and the firebirds have to be at least a hundred pounds heavier. 
if not more. And there's a couple of nuances in there as well, whether or not you have an aluminum block or whether or not you have an iron block. Um, So the GMs, you've got the options of the 305, the 350, the 5.7 LS or the 5.3 LS. And so a stock 5.7 LS is a little strong for the class. So you need to choke that down with the exhaust or uh, with the intake, um, you know, air filter or a restrictor. Um, okay. you know, the Mustangs, uh, if you run a four valve Mustang, the later four valve Mustang, it's mm-hmm. a little strong for the class. You got to choke that down as well. But again, there's a couple of 50 pound, hundred pound variances based on the chassis, uh, and based on which block you have in the car there as well. But usually the cars are hovering around 2,800 to 3,200 pounds, give or take. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Um, so I'm sure the Mustang guys have it easy because they, what do they call maximum motorsports and say, I'm going to run CMC. Give me all the goodies. They're, they are definitely a strong player in the space. So they've done a lot of research. They've been around for a long time. They got some really strong engineers that um, if you know the right people to call and ask questions, you can actually dive into an issue, et cetera, et cetera. There's, um, but again, we can't run coilovers. Um, so we have to have stock suspension pickup points. Uh, we will invest in, um, Coney dual adjustable shocks, uh, for the front and rear. Uh, and, uh, but there, again, there's only so many things you can do to the car. You can't, uh, can't change K members, gotta be a stock K member. So a, a lot of these things, you know, you are hamstrung by, you know, what the maximum motorsports catalog would be, you know, if you were going to one of the higher classes like AI or AIX. Yeah. And to me, it's, it's to try to get these cars, uh, I, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> when we're watching, because I, I race in lightning and you guys are generally mm-hmm. in thunder. Uh, we'll get to the crossover. So I thought in the crossover, you guys weren't. But um, generally speaking, we get to watch your race and you guys are wheeling the snot out of these stick axle cars. Uh, the slip angle is insane that you guys are out there ripping through turn nine. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like they spent a lot of time trying to excuse me, balance the rules. So you're not forking over too much money to get pretty good performance out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. And interesting. You, you bring up the slip angle, uh, the uh, slip angle and, and kind of how the cars go through the turns because um, a few years ago, uh, a few folks, uh, I mean, you could start with the stock, Lincoln, I'm sorry, the stock um, uh, Ford uh, LSD and pack as many clutches in you are as you can for your um, limited, slip, limited slip differential. Uh, it's really open in our class. Once you want to run inside your rear end, we have a gear uh, limit. You can't go anything taller than a 410. But um, uh, so some, some folks will run a Eaton True Track. Some people will run the uh, Torsen T2R uh, rear end. But uh, a few of us have actually gone to what's referred to as the Lincoln Locker. We actually are running a welded rear end. So um, interesting what that does in the car and be able to rotate the car. So the joke is on these Mustangs and even some of the F bodies says uh, you steer the car with your right foot. And, uh, and it really is on, on what your, where your input on your, uh, on your gas and what, where you're on the torque band and what the car is able to do when it rotates through the turn. So um, things like Oak tree, things like turn one at VIR, things like uh, turn five, at uh, at Summit Point, those will become real interesting when you've got a uh, a stick in the back of the car that's welded. Yeah, what are you guys want to be drifters or something? That's what the drifters do. 
Well, occasionally it does happen that way. And uh, the thing that happens with a, uh, with a welded rear is, you know, once the car let go, let's go, it's rarely coming back on you. So um, right. you, yeah, it, it took me several years before I was willing to get up the courage to, to run the Lincoln locker in the back. And, uh, and I, I've been able to set my faster lap time since I've done that. Okay. All right. Hot tip. Weld your diff like a, like a ghetto drifter and, and run CMD. <laughs> I, it, it's gotta be cheaper, right? Cause you just take your regular old diff and you just start burning it in with your Lincoln or hopefully it's a Miller. I don't know. Yep. I, something like I, that yeah i have a lincoln and i don't trust it very much so uh, <laughs> well i mean when you look at the rear end like an eaton is like four or five hundred bucks uh right. torsen t2r is you know upwards of 800 bucks and uh a- again it's i wouldn't recommend for, for, for a beginner and uh we've all made our mistakes and we've you know ended off in the field somewhere or worse but uh it's uh it it has proven to be the faster way to get at least the mustang around the track at okay. uh at the courses at the atlantic races Okay. I mean, uh, I don't know what, um, the, uh, little Lydic was running at nationals, but he ran away from everybody. So it may not just yes. be VIR and summit point. He was, he was out. Like I thought he was on parade laps yeah. for a while. There was nobody around him. So Hunter has is a, a fantastic and very talented driver, and uh, what what will even amaze you even more. And uh, I think this could be a part one and a part two CMC podcast. We'll get some more crowd on there as well, uh, maybe even the the national director. But uh, he ran nationals with a, a massive, terrible vibration in the bottom of the motor. Ended up cracking the uh, transmission during the national championship race. And, uh, and still finished way ahead of anybody else by a few seconds. Um, but again, yeah. uh, really talented driver. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, at mid Atlantic, we bring the heat. So, um, there's national <laughs> champions all over the paddock in, in mid Atlantic. So, um, let's stay with the suspension a little bit. I know we diverted to drivetrain, but, um, so you're saying that you guys run Coney double adjustables front and rear, but you're running st- not stock springs, stock well, springs that run in the stock location, right? That's correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the spring so. rates are, are open. Uh, they are open. Yes. And, uh, and let me just preface, you don't have to spend the money on the conies. I mean, we literally have a rule that, you know, you can't spend any more than this on the shocks. You can't spend any more than this on the wing, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, that's part of what's trying to keep CMC a budget field. Um, uh, there's some folks that'll go out there and run just with the stock brakes for a while too. Whereas others of us have been invested in the, in the bigger brake kit for the front end of the car as well. Again, not jumping subjects here. But, um, but yeah, the, the most you can do to the suspension is Coney double adjustable shocks on, uh, struts, struts and shocks on all four corners. Okay. And then sway bars are open. Uh, they are not. So there is a limit on sway bars on thickness, uh, and they also cannot be adjustable. Oh, okay. So they're either on or off the car and you have a maximum thickness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, correct. And that depends on the different models of cars that are out there as well. Though so again, spelled out in the rule book, but it's there. Okay. Are aftermarket uh, bars allowed? They are, okay. absolutely. Okay. But only up to certain, I think, 33 millimeter on the front, at least for the new edge that I run. Um, and mm-hmm. I, again, I don't remember all the specs off the top of my head. 
Okay. Um, and then, so let's, let's get into the breaks a little bit. You said some folks are running stock breaks and some folks have upgraded. I don't know whether you're running bears or APs. What, what are the rules around the breaks? So, um, there is a, a size limit and a dollar limit. So there's a size limit on the size of the rotors. Um, uh, there is a material, um, restriction that it has to still be, you can run an aluminum hat, but you still have to run, uh, iron, uh, rotors, uh, iron rings. Okay. Uh, and again, there's a dollar limit. You can only have four pistons up front. Uh, and then you can only have one piston or two pistons in the back. Um, interesting conversation on brakes here. Uh, we all know on these race cars, especially these heavy front end cars that the front brake system does, you know, 85, 90% of the work here, especially as you dive into your T1s and, and things like that at the, the faster tracks. Oh, yeah. uh, we we're only running a stock rear brake setup, which is a single piston, uh, very similar brake on both the uh, GMs and the uh, Fords. But we really started to see with uh, what happened with COVID and the pandemic and remanufacturing and where a lot of these parts were coming in is uh, failures in these rear brake systems. I myself suffered a uh, catastrophic rear brake failure at, um, at VIR turn one Friday, March race, the dust off race. I actually had the rear banjo bolt uh, and the left rear caliper back out going into turn one. Uh, And of course, you know, when you start to lose your brakes, what do they tell you to do? Pump your brakes. And every time I started pumping my brakes, I was throwing more blue, more fluid out the back of the car. And yep. uh, I went straight off the end of turn one and went through the first tire wall and, and long darted into the second tire wall. So a um, couple of uh, iterations after that, we uh, now have approved the uh, Willwood, specifically the D154 aftermarket caliper for the rear yep. axle on these. Um, like I said, reman quality, um, those, these brakes that on the Mustang specifically to turn, to, to push the rear piston in, to put new pads in it, you have to actually turn it in. Uh, and you're you know, immediately starting to tear up the seals. So like I said, it's basically the original stock rear calipers are like a two stroke engine. You know, they start dying as soon as you start using them. And, uh, that's why we made the change in the class to go to the D154 caliper, uh, Willwood. And, uh, you'll see a lot of guys that have invested in the bigger brake package that is typically running a Willwood or a, um, stop tech, uh, front brake, front brake package. Okay. Um, brake pads are open. So brake pads are open. Yes. Pick your preference, uh, whatever mm-hmm. you want to chew up your rotors. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> pick your, pick your uh, compound, pick your manufacturer. It is wide open. Okay. And <laughs> in, in relation to that, what are the wheel and tire rules for you guys? So we have a specific weight limit on uh, a 17 inch tire or a 16 inch tire. That's pretty much what you'll see everybody running is mostly a 17. The stock, uh, sorry, the size uh, maximum spec maximum is a 17 by nine five uh, wheel. Uh, I was listening okay. to the um, the E46 podcast that you guys did, and you know they were talking about spec offsets and such. Um, different in CMC, we actually have spec track widths for each one of the cars. So, um, doesn't matter, you know, what your offset is on the wheel. Um, as long as your, uh, maximum track width is, uh, is measured accordingly. Uh, and that okay. takes into account the front axle with caster with, with the specifically camber and, uh, and we are allowed a slight rear cambered axle. If you actually want to invest in that. Mostly, I think it's you're allowed up to, to 0.5 of a degree, and that's really just to allow for a worn axle to still get in there without actually being too far out of spec. Okay. Um, what else? What else? What transmissions are you guys allowed to run, and what can you do to them? 
So um, in the uh, GMs, you can run basically any of the stock five speeds or the um, the six speed, um, which is also found very similar transmission that's found in the Ford Cobras. Um, we have um, specific specified gear ratios that have to be in those transmissions, uh, whether it is the Ford or the uh, GM. And uh, several of us, so like a, like a uh, T5, T45, uh, 3650, all Tremec transmissions. Uh, the um, it's, the name of this, the number that's escaping me with the six pay, uh, six speed transmission is in the uh, Cobras or the GMs, but um, essentially you're running the six speed, but the sixth gear is an overdrive, so uh, you're still using the first five gears like the rest of us are. And uh, a few of us have now started to go to the TKX transmission. Uh, the TKX, a new uh, transmission by uh, by Tremec, uh, last couple of years. Uh, that is, it's only got two or three different. Um, gear ratio options in it. So you're open if you, whichever one you want to pick, if you get the TKX. Uh, specifically, I decided to go to the TKX on my car because it is impossible to take a 3650 transmission, which came in my car, out of the car with the headers on it and with the car, uh, with the motor in the car. So uh, the easiest way to work on these cars, if you're pulling a transmission, is to just drop the whole K member out of it. And um, at nationals in 2021 at Daytona, I lost my transmission during one of the practice days. I had a transmission overnighted down from Virginia down to Daytona, and I spent the entire Saturday uh, in a stacker trailer that was loaned to me by another mid-Atlantic racer, uh, lifting the motor, pulling the headers, pulling the transmission out, and putting a 3650 transmission back in. And I said, I will never do this again. So I switched to the TKX, which several others have done because the TKX comes out with four bolts. You don't remove the bell housing, but you can swap your transmission in a hurry with the TKX as opposed to like the uh, T5, T45 or 3650. Very important nugget right there for anybody with a Ford because, yeah, we I spent building my new car. I spent a lot of time making sure that it was easier to fix track side. Um, I had to knock on wood. I haven't had to wrestle with it like I did my first car, but um, yeah, we, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out certain things to make sure we didn't have to do things like spend an entire day to swap a transmission. So good for yeah, you. And that was, that was by all means, it was a team effort too. Um, and that's, it's one of the other things about CMC is we all pitch in, uh, you know, uh, the Lydex car, the number 23 at one point, uh, decided to do, uh, f- we're forced to do head gaskets at the track on a five Oh, uh, which is easier than a four six. You would never consider doing that on a four six, um, overhead, um, engine. But, uh, uh, we had 12 people at one time actually working on the car, working on different heads, working on different parts of it. Um, you know, do, swapping out, uh, head gaskets on a, uh, on a, uh, Ford five liter. I mean, um, the family you choose to race with is very important and maybe we're spoiled in the mid Atlantic. I think everybody, it seems like every class is willing to help each other out. Um, but it's, it's still really important. You don't want to be doing this by yourself, especially if you got deadlines. Um, I know we were all brought through the HPD ladder system and always talked about camaraderie while we were out there. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what car you're in. And I think that translates when we go into our race classes. So um, kudos to Jack and rest in peace, Dan Uncle for always preaching the gospel of that because 
we're sharing a track together. We don't have, to, we're not necessarily racing each other, but we're going to share the track together and race our own race. Um, but we need mm-hmm. to give each other that respect and we respect each other on and off the track. And I think that's important. So kudos I, to you. I, I mean, I will also echo that for, um, for great lakes as well. I mean, it's really the only other region I have a strong experience to or exposure to, but, uh, the CMC great lakes region, um, very close community there as well. Um, often their, their squad, our squad, we do family meals at the track, especially the crossovers, you know, mm-hmm. rivalries and such, but, um, uh, sharing, you know, I, I wouldn't say sharing setup notes, but, um, but I've definitely, you know, had things shared to me and I've shared, uh, other notes back and forth between different race cars, especially when I was getting, uh, you know, first, you know, learning the tracks, you know, when you go to pit race for the crossover, we only go there once a year and trying to figure out which corner is best to short shift on and, uh, and, and figure out where you can get, get into your acceleration band. I mean, those are some of the things we will share amongst ourselves because we would rather have that competition on the track and absolutely we'll work together in the paddock. Cause I would rather try to beat you on the track than have you, you know, have to beat you on the trailer. Um, and, uh, very different in road racing as opposed to drag racing, uh, which has been shared with me. I don't have a lot of experience in drag racing, but, uh, our fellow racer, Terry Savi does. And, uh, and like you're on your own at the track, uh, when you're in drag racing, but by mean, by no means, not even close at, uh, at, um, road racing, especially with NASA. Um, I've, I've walked through the paddock, I've ridden the bike through the paddock, taken a golf cart through the paddock, gone and gotten a welder, gone and gotten a porta power, gone and gotten a winch. Uh, I mean, and, and that's from anybody in mid Atlantic. And I, I feel fortunate to be in a region that's that friendly. Oh yeah. Um, my header broke in comp school and, um, you don't have much time in comp school. I was able to rip it off. And then I basically, handed it to my wife and said, can you find somebody with a welder who will burn this thing back together? And, mm-hmm. uh, it was an AI guy, um, uh, helping a Honda challenge guy. Now he gave me a shot. He was like, I don't know why I welded this for you, but here you go. And you know, <laughs> but <laughs> he did it, uh, better, better. He welded it better than the little Chinese guy that made it made the header in the first place. So for uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I will also echo my personal experience, you know, not just talking about breaking stuff, but when I had my real bad accident at, uh, at CI, at VIR, uh, I, I, we, the core support rolled up underneath the car, ripped the whole front end off of the car. I, I did end up actually burning up the, um, master cylinder because I mm-hmm. kept pumping in the brakes with no fluid in it, but we still had my car back on track four hours later. And I raced later that weekend. Uh, and I think I still came in fourth place with no front end in the car, no brake ducts, no bumper, uh, and the, the radiator tacoed up underneath the car, but it still was holding water. But, uh, you know, it just like falling off a horse. The most important thing is getting back out there right away. So you don't have that nervousness or, you know, tremble the next time you get out there. So again, after leaving the track at 124 miles an hour, hitting two tire walls, I was back on track four hours later. And I really do have to thank the CMT crew for um, making that happen because, it probably wouldn't have been the same if I didn't get back out to the track a month later or two months later. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that to me, that sounds like those cars are pretty robust. If you're running off turn one at 124 miles an hour and you're able to beat it back into submission and get it back out there. So kudos. Would to you believe I didn't even get out of the car when I had that accident at VIR. So, um, I was buried in the tire walls and, uh, long story short and which I actually get a kick out of, is um you know, I threw my thumb out the window so that the turn one corner worker could see that I was, you know, in one piece. And uh and later on he told me, he's like, now nah, you were so far down the rise, I didn't see your thumb because I told him about it later on right. when we were drinking back in the paddock. 
He said, but we heard you put the car in reverse and try and back out of the wall and get back in the race. So we knew that you were conscious and we, <laughs> need, we knew that we just had to send a tow truck instead of an ambulance. So, uh, cause I left the track, you know, you know, it, I left the track in a hurry. That's for sure. And skidded across wet grass. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it was a gnarly wreck and, um, yeah, we all banded together and, uh, yeah, I didn't even miss a, a race that week or th- that season. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's in the new edge. Your, your car has been down into turn one that badly and you're still racing the same car. Oh, the same car. I didn't even replace the core sport uh, until three years later. We just bent it back into submission and, and welded a brace in it. I mean, as long, I asked the, when I, when I had that wreck, I asked the the um, safety workers, I was like, is it leaking anything? And they said, no. And is it just brake fluid? And I actually drove the car back to the, I never even took my seatbelt off. I actually drove the car all the way back to the pits with, uh, with no brakes. And wow. uh, cause I wanted to see if it was still going to drive straight uh, by the end of the weekend. And, and sure enough, it did. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I don't want to overlook it because you mentioned it a little while ago. You said uh, rear wing. So let's talk aero on these cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you allowed? And I'm assuming that these rules aren't as foobarred as some of the other rules where if it's basically your rules or if it's not written in there, you can do it. You can't do it. So what are you? Mm-hmm. Ours are very similar. Yes. Yeah. So um, we have a dollar limit on what you can spend on the rear wing. And that's it. That's the only arrow we're allowed to do on these cars. So uh, a lot of us will create um, or, or uh, manufacture or fab up a front air dam. Uh, but that is only an air dam to create a low pressure zone to suck more air into the uh, bottom of the car. Most of these cars, based on the you know somewhat aerodynamic shape of them, have very small grill openings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these cars are bottom feeders and, uh, I, I can, I can tell you literally an inch difference in air dam is worth, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 degrees of operating temperature on the motor. So, um, yeah, we will put an air dam underneath the car, but again, it's meant to cool the car, not create a, um, and, and a little bit of a vacuum, uh, for the radiator, but it's not meant to be aerodynamics, um, or improve that. And the only thing you can do with these cars is put a spoiler or a, um, or a wing on it and you get 700 bucks to spend on that. And it has to be commercially available. That's it. Okay. I I mean, they're out there. Um, you they have are. one on several people have them on. So, um, yep. That's a, that's a new retail price. $700. Don't not Facebook marketplace deal. So don't go. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. No, no big, you know, 70 inch carbon fiber wing that you got for 700 bucks on, uh, Facebook doesn't count. That is correct. So now there are, um, one of the manufacturers has a NASA discount. So in order to run the best wing that they make, you call, you ask for the NASA discount and you get to squeak in on, on one of the better wings that's out there. But, uh, again, you've got to take advantage of your NASA membership in order to do that from there, um, for the, uh, uh, sponsors. Okay. Uh, you don't want to name that person or company. Uh, that's APR. That's fine. APR. So that's not mm-hmm. bad. Uh, Johnny at nine lives, you need to apparently get a $699 wing together for Camaro firebird and Mustangs, but you know, whatever. <laughs> well, and, and some of these cars, and again, it depends on the driver. Some of them like a spoiler, some of them like a wing, uh, the, you know, the, the wing is going to slow you down, uh, depending on how much drag it's introducing at the top of the back straightaway VIR. 
whereas the um, the spoiler, uh, you know, may may or may not do that. So um, you've got you know, the the typical top three, top four drivers, um, top five drivers, CMC in Mid Atlantic have all have completely five different rear wing or spoiler um, uh, options. That's fair. Um, yeah, across the board, uh, it's it's all driver dependent. Each driver sets their car up a little differently. I'm sure, um, you know, shocks have knobs for different reasons. Um, your car in a new edge and, uh, and a Fox body, same shock setup, same springs. You probably, depending on your driving style, you'll probably want it a little different. You know, they're tweaks. So every, everybody gets to be their own person, but within the rule book. Uh, exactly. This quick guide says no carbon parts is that still true um no you know carbon body panels so you can't replace body panels um with carbon fiber so that you can uh, move weight around the car so they still have to be stock steel or stock fiberglass wherever it was uh, originally created okay so no carbon fiber hoods and trunks and doors and fenders and things like that nope cmc is meant to be a spot a stock class a spec class as close to stock as uh, as possible okay so and cost controlled that's the main thing is cost control it's supposed to be a budget race it, and, and and again it's one of the reasons why i chose to race cmc it's the i think it's the most bang for the buck and it's the cheapest spec v8 that you can race uh, between nasa and or any of the other um, sanctioning bodies yeah I, I actually have no doubt about that um my trick question is going to be the ccr allows carbon fiber sunroof plugs um so we actually do now now that you bring that up we actually do have one guy that is running a carbon fiber sunroof plug uh that his brother custom made for him so uh yeah that's in the name of safety as opposed to uh you know weight reduction so uh carbon fiber heck it's probably you know it's probably thicker than putting a piece of tin over it uh or probably heavier than putting a piece of tin over it or very close so i don't think it's uh you know, too much of a difference there. I know his carbon fiber um, uh, sunroof plug is not paper thin. It's actually pretty solid. Yeah. The speeds that we run at VIR, uh, you don't want to go too thin on your tin either. So. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You'll be rippling that thing down the, down the back straightaway for sure. And if you guys, well, and if you guys run and, through and the, the same thing goes like with the replacement guys, parts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, same thing goes with like fender replacements. You know, if you opt for the um, the imported, uh, you know, fender replacements and the imported, uh, um, especially core support. Um, Russ and Russ told me a joke a few weeks ago that yeah, when he replaced his core support after a an accordion accident we had or incident we had at VIR, and he said um, the the core support, the imported core support was so thin that if our cars went any faster, it would bend just from the wind resistance. So, oh. uh, hence the reason why I went ahead and, and bought a cutoff, uh, core support and had it welded in as opposed to a new, uh, import. Yeah, for sure. It, I, I drive an import and I won't buy the mm-hmm. import core support. Yeah. Uh, they're terrible. Well, I mean, it, it, 
you think about the import core supports and, and bumper supports and such, they're made to hang the fender on. They are not made for bump drafting. No. Uh, and, uh, and that's essentially what is just going to ruin it is bump drafting. And sometimes we'll bump draft at a good five, seven mile an hour um, difference. And uh, yeah, you get your head rocked because uh, I've done it a couple of times. I had it done to me. So um, yeah, it's uh, that's how things go. I mean, get, what's one thing that's really interesting and I wanted to make sure I brought this up and I'll use it here is um, is we have some great teams, if you will, in CMC uh, as well. So we already have one uh, father son team, uh, the Stearns uh, that race with us. Uh, we had two brothers uh, that raced uh, Jimmy Joyce and Billy Joyce, but one of them has since sold his car. And uh, we have the three mayors brothers um, and now a fourth brother, if you will, is going to be joining them next year. So we have Seth, Luke and Simon Mayer, uh, their cousin, uh, Jake is going to be joining them next year. So, um, I'm not saying this is, you know, as egregious as this sounds, but when you got four brothers out there or two brothers or a father and son, it quickly turns checkers in the chess, uh, with a bump draft or, you know, I'll put you in front so that way you can block when we go into turn one, I've gotten passed that way by the two brothers. Uh, they work together to, uh, to pass me that way. So, um, we have a lot of fun, uh, in, uh, in CMT as everybody knows, but, uh, again, it's a family affair out there with, uh, again, four, four folks that are blood, two folks that are blood. And, uh, this year, I think we might even see, uh, two, uh, two Lydics out on the track at the same time too. Oh, that sounds like a domestic dispute waiting to happen. Just saying. Well, I, I, I would not, you know, I, I, I do pity, uh, the mother <laughs> or the wives in those conversations or, or in those, uh, during those, those races. Cause I, I'm sure they're nervous as can be. For sure. For sure. Um, let's, uh, talk tires. What tires are you guys running? Toyo RRs. So, um, and that is, you can run the RA1 if you want to, but Toyo RR is the spec tire, is the only spec tire that's out there. Um, and uh, you can run a 275 40 17 is, uh, the, is the biggest tire size you can run out there. Some folks will go all the way down to the 245, 255, depending on whether or not they've modified their fenders or not. And a couple of different cars are allowed fender rolling or fender flares, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, most folks are out there on a 17 by 95 rim with a 275 40 17. Okay, quick side note. Have you seen the new Toyo Proxy R that's calling the RR it's the predecessor? So Yeah, it's yeah, I I have. So I, I think they were affectionately referred to as Tujers uh, at one point by somebody. So um it's interesting. And, you know, we've seen lap times and lap records uh, drop since the RA1s, uh, you know, became the number two and the RRs. Um, uh, at this point, there is no, um, you know, no push to put that in the CMC uh, at this time. So, uh, you know, that could change with what becomes available maybe after the 2024 season. But if you read the, read the press announcement, they said, you know, uh, RRs for the spec classes are going to be what's supported through the 2024 racing season. 2025 and beyond again, you know, toil is pretty good to us when it comes to toil points and, uh, and, uh, and the contingency there, but, uh, you got to run up at the front in order to take advantage of that. And, uh, and otherwise it, it gets pretty expensive. What speaking of contingencies, what contingencies do you guys have just Toyo? And like the so, standard um, is out there. Uh, Toyo's out there. Hawk is out there. I actually was, I, I took great advantage of the, uh, Raybestos contingency we had for CMT. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they had a, they had a little unique, uh, 
deal where if you got first, third, or fifth in any of the races over the weekend, you got a free set of pads, which was several hundred dollars worth. And oh, yeah. uh, I would take advantage of that. I actually, with the uh, the way everything changed around with Raybestos and StopTech and, and the collapsing of the industry, which, of course, we saw uh, due to the pandemic that uh, um, personally, I do miss that contingency. So um, hopefully they find a way to get that uh, brake, pad, brake pads, Inc. or brake parts, Inc. The parent company finds a way to get that back. Yeah, I'm I'm a Ray Bestis guy also. Um, so yeah, it's Break Inc. and they bought Centric, mm-hmm. Stop Tech, Ray Bestis. I mean, they were if if you were out there, they were buying you if you were even remotely for sale. Um, and and it it became a problem. Um, I know guys who had problems getting Stop Tech rings for their uh, brake rotors. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Fortunately for me, I run an ST43 brake pad, so they last forever. So mm-hmm. I was able to run through uh, a season or more, like two now on one set of pads. Wow, that's impressive because uh, you wouldn't do that on a 3,400-pound with driver uh, Mustang that does all of its braking up there on the front, that's for sure. No, no, um, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it on a pretty thick Honda. So I, I was coming off the track around 2,800 pounds. So if you were in the lighter (laughs) side of your, your CMC numbers and running ST 43s, you can probably get them down or you can probably run them for a year and a half. What I usually like to do is run them for a year, put the, the half eaten ones in as a backup in case we get some sort of pad disintegration issue. And then, you know, mm-hmm. uh, run a fresh set, but, uh, they're super yeah. general. I've run the 43s. And, yeah. I've run the 43s, uh, in the past and, and, you know, this year I'm exploring options. I don't know what I'm going to run. I, what is your car way? Uh, my car is, I think the last time I went across the scales with me in it, uh, was 3333. Yeah. With fuel in it, you know, with me in, yeah, yeah. For, so, so I've run the 47s, I've run the 45s, I've run the 43s. Uh, okay. You know, it's it's all going to be, you know, what's available. We actually have a, uh, there's a group on Facebook, 7904 Mustangs. Um, and uh, there's a, a sponsored parent organization called uh, Road Race One, which is a company which a lot of us buy our brake parts from. And they've been really working with Raybestos and Brake Inc. Uh, to get, uh, you know, good stock on, on pads as well as rings. Uh, but yeah, rings have been a problem for us as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we run the the guy who was looking for rings is running 17 uh, inch wheels uh, on a newer Honda. So they're probably the same ring, to be honest. Um, They probably are. Mm -hmm. You know, all the offsets are done on on the. On the hats normally, not really the rings. So um, if it's if you have this, we have size limitations to in theory. So they got to fit under a 17 inch wheel for us. Yeah. And there's a couple of thicknesses on the, on the rings too, that uh, I know on the, on the, on the Mustangs, we have to make sure we order the right thicknesses on that, but uh, that's obvious. Right. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. Let me go back to my notes. Cause we've covered most of the rules. Um, are there any rules you think that we didn't cover that need to be highlighted? So they're a pretty basic build of a car. So, yeah. And I would say, and I, again, I listened to the, um, 
the Specky 46 uh, podcast here recently as well. And uh, we try and keep the, the rule book uh, pretty stagnant as well. Um, you know, very similar rules, uh, suggestion and adoption, prox- adoption process, like uh, many of the other classes that are out there. I think there might have been maybe three, four, five updates, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this, this year for 2024. And they were all really small. Um, I, I, you know, we had a, you know, in our rule book, uh, you know, some of us have started building aluminum blocks uh, for the Mustang as opposed to an iron block. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they made a change for that to um, yeah, have a weight penalty for running aluminum as opposed to steel. But um, since we took 50 pounds off the front end of the car, you know, we can run ballast and we can put it anywhere in the car we want to inside the cage. So you can't go beyond the rear hoop. So most folks will put it down on the floor and a floorboard or something like that if you want to actually change the ballast on the car. Okay. Um, where can folks learn more about CMC? You guys have a Facebook group or web page that you want to promote Instagram? So there is, there's a couple. So, um, there is the, the NASA CMC forum, which has a lot of notes in it. It's not overly active. There is the, uh, NASA CMC, uh, um, Facebook page, um, which does have a fair amount of activity on it. And then uh, NASA Mid-Atlantic has its own uh, Camaro Mustang Challenge, uh, both page and uh, a YouTube uh, page as well. So uh, you can subscribe to you know any one of those if you want to. Some of us will update our vid- upload our videos uh, when time allows. And uh, and and the other thing I would say is just just come talk to us. You know whether you're Great Lakes, Mid-Atlantic. Um, there's actually four regions that have strong CMC fields. Um, Great Lakes, Mid-Atlantic, Texas, and Rocky Mountain all have really strong CMC fields. Some of the other fields have, uh, the other regions have swayed uh, more into uh, spec iron or AI or into other classes. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when, when you're, when we're consulting folks on, you know, hey, I want to turn my Mustang into a, you know, into a race car, which field am I? I'm like, well, you know, unfortunately, if you live in Maine, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of CMCs that, that go up to Northeast or whatever else that might be. So, um, as, as always look at past events and look at the cars that have been showing up for different classes before you decide to build your car, you know, on some of the Facebook forums where I'll give uh, advice, you know, people, the first thing I want to do and throw on their Mustang is go put coilovers on it. But as soon as they do that, you know, they're disqualified from CMC or they can't run CMC with it. So they got to pull those back off again. So, um, again, Everybody in CMC that I have met has been extremely friendly, including past national champions, uh, regional champions as well. Uh, you know, some of us are on, uh, you know, the younger side. Some of us are middle aged, and, and some of us have, uh, uh, you know, have been around for a long time in the in the CMC realm uh, you know, for twenty-ish you know, years. So um, yeah, I, I think you'll get a lot of different perspectives from the folks uh, within CMC, and uh, and like I said, everybody's been friendly. Just uh, you know, uh, bring a uh, Bring a bottle of something dark liquor colored and uh, yeah, it'll probably get partaken in the CMC uh, paddock at some point. You don't want to tell them about what the actual bottle that they really should bring is. Well, it's, it's, it's bourbon. So, <laughs> but, uh, but if you, if you want the secret handshake, which again, I am in jest, um, you know, just come over, hang out with us. So, yeah. uh, we've been referred to as a, a bunch of drinkers with a racing problem, but, um, I, and I would say that's, uh, you know, that's apropos to us being back in the woods at uh, summit point when we're racing up there. But, uh, when we go to mid Ohio, which we've done a few times, we're out in the field where, um, great lakes actually brings their own lawnmower, uh, to, to mow the grass for where we park when we go out to mid Ohio, when we decide to race out there. Awesome. 
I, it's a, you guys are your own family, man. And, uh, you're always welcome. You're always welcoming to me. Um, even when we're standing around on the dyno, because we're the last group of the day, you guys are always come over and like, why are you guys revving to 9,000? So disturbing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm halfway through my uh, getting shit faced. Yeah. 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 Do you guys know what mufflers are? These types of things. Um, But you're always ready Mm -hmm. to hand the racers that are sweating in their suits, still some water in the, in the spectators that aren't uh, some beverages. So we really appreciate your hospitality when we're on the dyno. Um, Yeah. Like I said, we, we have a lot of fun both on the track and off the track. And I mean, a lot of us hang out outside of, you know, NASA as well. So uh, last year we did a first uh, little NASA CMC uh, off season party where we all went go-karting and, and had an event down here at my place near Richmond. I think we're going to do that again here uh, in February. But uh, like I said, we group texts, a lot of busting balls and, uh, and, and teasing each other. We've actually got a, uh, a great female racer as well. Nikki Armstrong is racing in CMC as well. And uh, she spent a lot of time in uh, uh, HPDE and just track days. And mm-hmm. she told me literally after her first day, you know, going through comp school, first comp- competitive race, she's like, Oh my God, I'm absolutely hooked. And, uh, I think that's the other thing about CMC is that, uh, you've always got somebody to race front pack, middle pack, backpacker. Uh, you know, there is always somebody there that, uh, is, is there to race. You are never running alone out there on the track. So what's the car counts usually run in mid Atlantic? Uh, what's the so, crossover look like and what do you know of the other regions? So people get an idea. So we're somewhere around five to 12 to 15. I think five would be a really low number right. um, for mid Atlantic. Um, but we'll always try and, you know, uh, you know, have the minimum for a contingency that's out there. And of course, you know, we break each other's balls on the group text and say, Hey, why aren't you showing up? Et cetera, et cetera. Always. And we've actually pressured people to say, Hey, you know, throw the junk in the trailer. I've got tires, I've got pads, just get it here. So get on the track. And we've actually, you know, forced people into making that decision on Friday to show up Friday night to race for the weekend before. So um, a little bit of peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So, um, but, uh, but, and, you know, we've had as, it is not unheard of for us to see 15, 18 cars in, in mid Atlantic, uh, especially on, you know, the right weekend when, you know, everything's all, you know, working well with weather and, kids and school and other commitments and uh, the crossover events that we have with great lakes are have been nothing short of awesome. I think the last couple of years we had 23, 28 and maybe 29 or 30 cars oh, this wow. year uh, at, uh, at, at the crossover event. It was actually a little bit smaller than that at nationals because mm-hmm. uh, not everybody from uh, the great lakes wanted to make the trip uh, or, or mid Atlantic wanted to make the second trip for, uh, for nationals. Uh, but um but yeah, we have a couple of great pictures with huge fields, 28, 30 cars, you know, over the past couple of years at Great Lakes and uh, at, at Pitt. And uh, we're actually trying to pressure a few folks to come out to Hyperfest as well, because CMC always has a good time at Hyperfest, including the time that uh, Hunter and Kent Leidick's car was stolen by another racer. <laughs> and nearly put into the uh, burnout competition during Hyperfest <laughs> as a, as a gag that ended up going a lot further than anybody else expected it to. But uh, it resulted with uh, Kent Flydick, uh <laughs> jumping over the Jersey wall and running at his car. He's like, that's my car right before they entered the pit. So um, like I said, we are out for a good time in CMC for sure. Yeah. That sounds that way. <laughs> I didn't even realize that occurred. 
but I don't venture to the burnout pit. So uh, <laughs> I like my lungs the way they are. So <laughs> try to stay away from that. Awesome. Right on. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you know, CMC, it's been around for a long time. I think it's, it's got the ability to go on for much, much longer. Um, it's, you're going to kill me for saying this, but it's like the Honda Civic of the V8 world. Millions of them were made. No, and I was actually just going to make that point. There are so many V6 Mustangs that are out there. There are so many of them that are sitting in junkyards. I mean, I just went to a junkyard here in, in Richmond the other day, and there was four cars like mine that were out there. And uh, I ended up buying my core support off of eBay because you know, mm-hmm. I didn't think I would find one in a junkyard. There's three core supports I can go cut off for $25 uh, at a junkyard here in Richmond. So fenders, doors, you know, they're usually wrapped around a pole after a, you know, a cars and coffee event, you know, cause you're, you know, <laughs> idiot got his, uh, uh, you know, his V6 or even his V8 Mustang and did something stupid with it. But, um, there are plenty of parts out there for the Mustangs and, uh, there are plenty of parts out there for the, uh, F bodies as well. So, um, I, I do feel for the guys in the mid, um, in the great lakes because of being in the rust belt, uh, their inventory is probably a little bit more shy than ours in the mid Atlantic. But, uh, but again, none of us have had a problem finding parts, whether it be used or new. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing, uh, the CMC life and the rules and how easy it is to put one of these cars together. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I would, um, I, I think this is going to spin up a little bit of uh, interest here and maybe even a part two, we'll get one of the series directors or the uh, national directors out here and maybe have another future conversation about CMC if folks have more questions. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I'll, I'm okay with that because uh, one day there's going to have to be a decision on when you sunset these older cars and does CMC live mm-hmm. on in a newer car? And do we have yep. another transition to CMC one, CMC two? I remember seeing them come through the tech shed, um, you know, and then eventually CMC one will disappear. CMC two, the newer cars will end up having to take over. Um, and it'll be good to get some history and some perspective on that. So uh, yeah, I'm totally down with that. Um, we'll, keep in touch and uh you reach out to you know some of your folks uh i i had plenty of folks on that spec 46 group so um we can wrestle three or four or five people at a time it's not a big deal so you just let me know sure but right on thanks con yeah thank you for coming on until next time keep working on yourself keep working on the car and let's get faster